relationship with him. One of the things that, that Christianity has moved toward, and I think that this is a good and healthy balance, is that we've tried, uh, we've tried to present God as approachable. We've tried to present God as, as someone who, who cares about us and loves us and, and wants, wants to be there with us. We've presented God who, who journeys down from heaven to, to live here among us and be one of us because he desires to build and renew that relationship with us. And we do a really good job right now at, at presenting God that way. What we've lost what we've lost on the other side was we've lost this idea of the holiness of God. You know, we, we occasionally sing about holiness, we occasionally talk about holiness, but we don't, you know, if, if you're like me, you don't think about holiness on a regular basis. You know, when, when you ask to describe God, you know, if, if I throw out the word holy, I, uh, that's pretty far down on my list. It's not the type of thing that, that changes my life the idea that God is holy. It's not the type of thing that, that has any real application for me on a regular basis. Instead, you know, I, I don't think about those things that, that have historically separated humanity from God. The passage that was read earlier, I'm going to read again in a second, you find Isaiah caught between those two worlds, caught between those two extremes of the pendulum. You find him in the presence of God, standing before the throne of God. And, and you find him, while he stands there, feeling that distance, feeling that separation between himself, who he describes as unclean, and between the utter and perfect holiness of God. We're going to read from Isaiah chapter 6 one more time. We'll start at verse uh, 1 and we'll read through 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah finds himself in the presence of God. And he reacts the way that most people in the Old Testament react, but the way that I, I think seems so foreign to us when we think about God today. When we think about God, we don't understand the fear that people had in his presence. You know, we don't understand the, the anxiety, the nervousness, the you know, some people see God and they're nervous that that's going to kill them, just, just being there in his presence. How awesome and, and awe-inspiring and, and magnificent and scary it is. 
he finds himself in the presence of God, and his first reaction, woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm destroyed. Because I, I am a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. As I stand here in the presence of the king, I feel just how, how little I belong here. This is hard for us to understand. We don't have a king. You know, we don't, we don't understand what it is to be in the presence of royalty. You know, have, have you ever met somebody famous? I mean, really famous? I walked past Newt Gingrich at the Tulip Festival. That's, that's about the closest I've come. It took us a while to recognize him, and then we saw cameras. And then we, you know, you put it together. That's the closest I've come. Have you been in the presence of you know, the president? Have you been in the presence of you know, Michael Jordan? I mean, in a, in a room like this size, not in a big arena? What, what do you do if you're, gonna, if you're purposely going in there? How do you present yourself? When you show up for the king, do you show up in the presence of the king after rolling around outside in filth? No, we, we don't do that. You know, we're, we're a little more informal in America. We're a little less, you know, they, they talk about power distance between different people. This is a big thing in culture back then. The idea of standing before the king and realizing, realizing just how unworthy you are to be there, just, just how unprepared you are to be in the presence. And what is it that's, that's making him feel this way? He is a man of unclean lips. He's from a people of unclean lips, and it's not just things he says, but it's, it's that he's unclean. I don't need to stand up here this morning and give examples to people about times when we mess up. I don't need to prove that we're not all the people that we want to be, that we're not the people that we should be. You know, I, I don't think any of us need to think too long and hard before you have examples in your own life. I don't have to think too hard before I've got examples in my life when I haven't been the person that I'm supposed to be, the person that God intends for me to be. And this is how Isaiah shows up before God. And he realizes just how, how different it is to be a human, to be, to be a fallen, broken person in the presence of a holy and perfect God. And what does it look like for him to stand there before God? Usually these are the two characters I think of, but, but there is seraphim there too. Seraphim is one of those, those interesting words that they, they ended up, instead of translating it into English, they just copied all of the sounds right from Hebrew. You know what seraphim is in Hebrew? It's, it's seraphim. That's it. You know a Hebrew word? It's not a noun. It's a description. It means the burning ones. When the passage was read this morning and you hear about the people, with the, the angels with you know, two wings covering their eyes and two covering their feet and two flying, how many of you pictured them in white robes? Be honest. White robes? Half of you? The other half just can't raise your hands. You need more coffee. Every one of you pictured them in white robes. They were on fire. Being in the presence of God, they were perpetually on fire. They were perpetually being purified. They were perpetually being refined because that's what it is to be in the presence of God. 
Because even if we started over from right now, even if I said, okay, everybody here gets a blank slate, we're going to come back tomorrow and be in the presence of the king. We would all come back here tomorrow, and between now and 24 hours from now, we would have rolled around in the filth again. You know, if, if we go home to clean ourselves up before we go to back to the king, we're going to get muddy on the way back. To be in the presence of God, to be, to be in the presence of a holy God, we need to be perpetually cleaned, perpetually purified, perpetually forgiven. And you know, we, we can't do that ourselves. Why is it so important for us to be holy? The book of Leviticus which I, I know is not one that we spend a lot of time in, but if, but if any of the books of the Bible talk about holiness, talk about what it means to approach a holy God and be in the presence of a holy God, that's, that's the essence of what they're getting at in Leviticus with all the you know, sacrifices and, and the animals that we cut up and things. In Leviticus chapter 19, before they start giving the, the expectations on, on how God wants people to live, this is how God explains it. He says, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Not be holy because I want you to look different than everyone else. Not be holy, the neighbors are watching. You need to be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. I need you to be holy because I want you to be in my presence, because I desire that. Because I am approachable, because I am a God who loves you, because I do want that relationship with you, I, I want you to be holy. Because I, I, want, I want to know you, I want to be your God, I want to invite you in. But literally, to be in my presence means that, that you need to be holy. Because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And that's a problem for us. That was a problem for Isaiah. I mean, he's a guy who, he wrote a book of the Bible, a big one. And, and he felt unworthy to be in the presence of God. Uh, how, how much more for me? How, how much more for you? Now, I haven't written anything. A hundred years from now, you know, 3,000, 4,000 years from now, no one's going to be reading anything that I say or write. No one's going to be taking my word as the word of God. And, and yet, even Isaiah felt unclean. He felt unpure. He felt unworthy. He felt the problem that, that he desired to be in the presence of God. There is nowhere else he would rather have been than there in front of his king. And yet he knew he didn't belong in the condition he was in. And he's, he's heartbroken. He's, he's ruined. He's destroyed by that. He's undone. The good news, the good news is actually summed up later on in Leviticus. After they go through some more of the laws, the commandments, the, the ways God wants us to live, here's what God says as he's, as he's wrapping that up. He says, keep my commandments and follow them. I am the Lord. Do not profane my holy name. I must be acknowledged as holy by the Israelites. I am the Lord who makes you holy and who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you to myself because I wanted you, because I cared for you, because, because I called you into my presence. But he also knows from earlier, 
be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. He says here, I am the Lord, your God, who makes you holy. I know that you can't purify yourselves. I know that you can't take care of this. And yet I desire that relationship with you so much that I will make you holy. Isaiah couldn't do it himself. And so God had, had the seraphim, as Lyle said, take the coal and bring it in and touch his lips. The very thing that he said was unclean, the very place where he located his problem. And it, it cleansed him. It, it took away his guilt, his sin. It enabled him to stand before God. It enabled him to respond to God's call. It enabled him to remain in the presence of God. For us today, you know, too often we, we spend our time beating ourselves up about the fact that we, we cannot attain holiness. And, and usually we, we do one of two things because of that. You know, the, the first is we give up. I can't ever be holy. I can't ever be in the presence of God, so I'm not going to try. You know, there's, there's no use for me to continue to do this. For, for someone like that, the answer is to look and see just how, how much God desires to have you sit there with him, how much God loves you and reaches out to you. Because when you feel that, there's nothing that you want more. There's nothing that you wouldn't give up to have that holiness that, that enables you to be in the presence of God. I mean, those, those times in my life where I don't value my own holiness enough, where I, don't, where I don't care enough about the things that I'm doing, where they don't bother me as much as they should, you know, really what my problem is is that that these habits I've gotten into, these, these patterns of living are more important to me than, than living daily, moment by moment, in the presence of God. You know, and there, there are times I need to correct that. There, there are times we all need to correct that. We all live like Isaiah did, right? The other problem is that sometimes when we think about holiness, we think it's something we have to do ourselves. And we work and we work and we work and we, we, we try to just clean ourselves off enough that, that we're clean enough to be in the presence of God. And, and the fact is, we just can't do it. I can never get myself clean enough. I can never, by my own free will, accomplish any of that. I'm just not strong enough. You know, I, I, can't, I can't take care of that on my own. I need God to do it for me. We all, we all need God to take care of that cleansing. For all of us this morning, uh, my hope, my, my prayer is that we would be a people who desire nothing in this world more than, than to sit in the presence of God, than, than to be holy because our God is holy. You know, not, not because we want to be holy, not because, you know, people around us are watching and we're supposed to be holy, but, but to be holy so that we can be with God. And I pray that we would understand and that we would, we would find relief and satisfaction and, and grateful living in the fact that where we can't do that ourselves, that God does that for us. That that's how much he, he loves and desires a relationship with you. The idea of holiness is one that, you know, in all honesty, I, I didn't spend a lot of time 
thinking about growing up. It's, it's not something we, we talked about a lot. Um, one of the things that maybe first caught my attention uh, was a few years back, uh, there was an artist who was at Rocky Mountain High this year, and a, a few of the people uh, that were there got to see her. Uh, she was performing in Sioux Center. Uh, her name is Allie Rogers. She co-wrote a song uh, with the band Addison Road, and the song is called What Do I Know of Holy? And, and as you listen to it in just a minute, I want you to pay attention to the words as they run across the screen and, and to stop and, and to think about what holiness means to you. How is, that, uh, how is that something that God desires for you? How is that something of God that, that is important in your life? And as we uh, prepare to join together in communion, how is that something that God uh, extends to you? Uh, so let's um, listen to the song together. So what do I know, what do I know of 
When we think of Isaiah and how uh, the angel took the coal from the altar and, and brought it in and touched his lips to cleanse him from his guilt, to, to free him from his sin, we know that it's, that it's God who does those things for us. We know that that's the gift that he sends to us. As we gather together around the table, we remember, we remember that it was the sacrifice of Christ. And that it was in that that we are freed from that guilt. We have communion with that same Christ in the same way that, that the angels before God are perpetually on fire, perpetually being cleansed and renewed. And we look forward in hope to the day when we all gather together around the table, when we have finally sat down face to face with God. As we join together today, if you are someone who, uh, who desires that relationship with God, if you desire to live in the presence of God, if you desire that, that cleansing, that purification, that, that holiness that he offers us, uh, you are welcome uh, to come forward and to join together with us.